welcome to another episode of the ICM at Next Collaboration Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Borgstedt. Today, we will talk about the recent narrative review, How to Use Biomarkers of Infection or Sepsis at the Bedside, Guide to Clinicians, published in Intensive Care Medicine. I welcome my guest, Professor Pedro Povoa from Nova Medical School, New University of Lisbon, Portugal. He's the chairperson of the COBA faculty within the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine and section editor of Intensive Care Medicine. His research focuses on biomarkers of infection and sepsis, as well as uh, ventilator-associated pneumonia and tracheobronchitis. Hello, Professor Povoa. Hello, Laura. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, would you like to tell us more about your recent narrative review in ICM? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, asking me that and to speak about our recent uh, narrative review on um, how to use biomarkers of infection and sepsis at the bedside. And uh, I just want also to, to say that I'm speaking on behalf of a large group of experts that markedly contributed to the writing of uh, the manuscript. And the, the, the main aim of uh, the, this narrative review was to provide clinicians with the current data information on biomarkers of infection and sepsis, but also some tools on how to use them, namely pathogen-specific biomarkers like beta-D-glucan or galactomannan, but also the two most used host response biomarkers, procalcitonin and C-reactive protein. And uh, this is not a review on the available biomarkers, that currently there are more than 250, but is um, much more on how to use the biomarkers in the clinical decision process at the bedside. And finally, I, I would like to, to just to, to tell you and to confess that I, I am quite surprised by the receptivity and the interest of the readers of the ICM on our manuscript, manuscript because so far we have more than 35,000 downloads. So it's well, quite a successful uh, uh, publication. It's very impressive, very impressive. So I'm coming from uh, uh, 37,000 uh, downloads, uh, to more than 250 biomarkers um, that have been identified and evaluated. So if you um, were to design the perfect biomarker, what would it be like? Uh, that's an interesting question. And I have already wrote and reflected about that. But uh, I am not able to design the perfect biomarker because the biomarkers exist and the majority are part of our uh, immunological response and cascade, and uh, we have um, we have to know is how to integrate the biomarkers in our clinical reasoning, and the, the search for the perfect biomarkers reminds me a little bit the the, uh, the search for the holy grail and the the, the Monty Python movie. The the thing is. Uh, the first question that we have to ask is, what is a biomarker? And a biomarker is a measure or a molecule that if it is a biomarker infection, it should be um, very low or absent in patients that are not infected, should appear at the same time or ideally precede the clinical manifestations of infection, 
And should this appear with successful therapy or remain elevated if the, 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 treat, the, the infection is refractory to treatment? And so the biomarkers can be divided in two types, uh, roughly the prognostic ones and the predictive ones. And unfortunately, the majority of the biomarker research has been done to evaluate the prognostic value of biomarkers. But the question is, what's the value or the use of a biomarker just to tell me that a patient has a high risk of dying when I'm not able to change that prognosis. Not very useful, maybe just for trial and enrichment. So I prefer predictive biomarkers since they can, can give me added value information like a post-test probability to my initial clinical suspicion of sepsis, that is the pre-test probability. So this can be used in sepsis diagnosis and also in monitoring the response to therapy since it can, can give you additional value. So the question of what is the ideal biomarker that's a list of characteristics like being easy to use and the interpret to be an objective measure a rapid test with a rapid turnaround time to be reproducible, a good sensitivity and specificity, amplitude of variation, dynamic with rapid increase and decreases, should be inexpensive. So there are lots of characteristics. Unfortunately, that does, does not exist. So the next question is, what do I prefer from a biomarker? Sensitivity or specificity? Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I prefer sensitivity with a low rate of false negatives because I prefer to have a low risk of not treating an infection since, it, since if it, the sensitivity is high, it, it rarely misdiagnoses those that have the disease. And I prefer sensitivity over specificity, in other words, a low risk of treating a non-infected patient. So these are what I, I I think we can get from the biomarkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you. So um, speaking of uh, prognosis and uh, monitoring of therapy, um, in the review, um, there is a statement on a PCT-guided strategy of antibiotic therapy that decreased the treatment duration by one day and uh, improved uh, survival and particularly in a uh, randomized controlled trial without high protocol adherence and also when uh, PCT and CRP were combined. So what do you think um, are the reasons behind this or what is the data um, and literature behind this? Okay, that, that if, if uh, we compare uh, or, or the, the biomarker that has more research on the biomarker-guided um, antibiotic duration, the antibiotic duration is uh, by far um, PCT. There are a couple of trials on CRP, mm -hmm. and as far as I am aware, there's only one trial comparing PCT with CRP at the same time, so comparing two uh, similar algorithms. Mm -hmm. And um, the duration, some of the trials assessing the, du the duration of, um, of antibiotic therapy with PCT versus fixed duration. In some trials, there is a long, a very long duration of the control arm. 
but nowadays, some of the trials, they have, uh, let's say, a recommended fixed duration. Mm -hmm. But what all, almost all the trials show, it, it is safe. Almost all the trials have no impact on mortality. There's uh, only one that pointed to a higher mortality, but there's one pointed to a significant decrease in mortality. Um, and in all the, the, the you, you could decrease safely if you apply correctly the, 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 the algorithm. The, the, the question is, what is most important in these trials? And there's, there's a, a quite interesting um, uh, systematic review meta-analysis published in 2019 in, in CHEST by Pepper, where they made um, lots of interesting comparisons. But one of the things they found is that the, the, the decrease in duration and impact on or trend impact could be sometimes significant, but sometimes a trend in mortality was mainly in the trial with, uh, uh, without the high adherence to the protocol mm -hmm. and also in the algorithms where they combine PCT and C-reactive protein. And they said that's a very interesting finding also to get. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, um, uh, in the in the um, electronic supplemental material of the review, because we already talked about um, what a uh, um, what a so so called perfect um, biomarker could could be, or what what um, characteristics it will have. Um, when we when we talk about the the electronic supplemental material of the review, uh, where there are very interesting case scenarios presented, um, and they are totally, totally, totally different. Each scenario is is, is different from the next. Um, so, speaking from your experience, are there any patients that benefit most from a biomarker use or from different biomarker use and uh, how could we make sure that our patients really benefit from what we what we do and what we monitor with when using biomarkers at the bedside okay um the thing is that the, those scenarios just to start those scenarios were true situations uh, where the biomarkers helped us to identify situations that otherwise would be, I think, more difficult to, to, to diagnose. Mm -hmm. And we presented four scenarios, one with just one measurement of, uh, of uh, biomarkers and two other scenarios looking at serial measurements and the kinetics of, of, um, of the biomarkers. And what I, uh, we tried to present in those, in those um, in those scenarios is how a value of a biomarker could alter our initial clinical suspicion, our pretest probability. And in one of the scenarios, we have a quite high pretest probability of having sepsis, but the biomarkers were quite low. So it decreases the suspicion, the likelihood of having an infection. And so the clinicians because of that decrease in the probability of having sepsis to search for other possibilities. And what was found was an hypothyroidism. In the other scenario was that the, 
the, the, the likelihood of having infection was quite low because the patient had uh, uh, benzodiazepines uh, intoxication, but the, 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 and there was no clear source of infection, and but the biomarkers were high, so the likelihood of having could be higher. So that that um, led or trigger uh, the clinicians to make the lumbar puncture, and the patient had the bacterial meningitis. So this. This is the added value that uh, the biomarkers can give it to you. And looking at the, the, the kinetics, it was also in one of the cases, it was a post cardiac arrest patient with an early VAP that the biomarkers started to increase from the beginning. And then uh, uh, after the treatment, they were decreasing. And the last case was a patient with a community acquired pneumonia that when uh, that in the middle of the treatment, the some of the biomarkers start to increase to have a secondary rise that we, that we call a biphasic pattern. And that helped us to pinpoint some septic complication that after looking at the patient, we found out to have an impaina. Mm -hmm. So this, if, if the question is which patient most benefit from biomarker use, my answer is, I don't know. I'm not able to identify a priori mm -hmm. what are the patients that can benefit from biomarker. Uh, so what I think is the, the, the better way to use them is to, 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 to measure them uh, um, every day and to look at the trends and to look at if they help you to give you additional information apart from your clinical reasoning. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, speaking speaking of the use and what biomarkers can do uh, or can, can help us to uh, decide or, or detect, um, how do you imagine the future of biomarker use in intensive care medicine? Okay. Um, so we have... Thousands and thousands of publications of more, as I already said, more than 1,250 biomarkers. But after all these years, what remain used routinely in clinical management of septic patients are white blood cell count, procalcitonin, and C-reactive protein. So uh, uh, in, um, in looking at the future of biomarker research, I think it is important to understand why research has failed to translate into more clinical useful tools. I think there are three problems. The first is that we keep on repeating studies where we evaluate a new biomarker, let's say the biomarker A, that correlates with an outcome that is the outcome C. And we compare the biomarker A with the other previous biomarkers. Um, and we try to, to see if that correlation is better or worse comparing to the, the previous one. So th this is okay from the, 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 the scientific point of view, but the clinical utility is not that good because the majority of these papers are again, assessing the prognostic value and the prognostic value is not that useful for us. So, uh, and to be useful, a biomarker must give you additional information 
Mm -hmm. in addition to what you already know, your pre-test probability, mm -hmm. and how that biomarker can change your therapeutic ap approach. Mm -hmm. And there's not that many research on that. The second problem is a failure to identify uh, or define uh, meaningful endotypes of, uh, of disease. We treat sometimes the disease as being a single group, like one size fits all. We speak about community-acquired pneumonia as a disease, and it is not a disease. It has different causes, different viruses, different bacteria, sometimes going viral and bacterial co-infection in different hosts, in um, different clinical progressions, some are rapidly progressive, others are slowly progressive. Um, and so the, the biomarkers could help us to identify different subgroups, but we are not yet doing that. And finally, um, we, uh, but in almost every, in all research, we um, have an, a piecemeal approach where it tried to study one biomarker, one cytokine or whatever at, at, at each time. Mm -hmm. This could be useful, could be feasible, could we can um, get some information but from that, but this um, do not take into account all the interactions and all the, 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 the relationship between the, the different biomarkers in the septic response. But maybe the new platform, the omics platform, would allow us to change a little bit this approach in genomics, transcriptomic, proteomics, metabolomics, with an in increasing our um, ability to study multiple biomarkers at the same time. And there are already some data on that. So I think these new tools will be quite important, enabling us to um, explore the biomarkers in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, um, very interesting, and um, I'm very keen on. Um, I, I think we all are on on seeing what the future, uh, future data and future publications and literature will will bring, and what how they will impact our use of of biomarkers and our view on them. So, um, for as um the last question, um, what what would you um, recommend to us junior doctors and junior intensivists, um, apart from what you just just said, um, or in addition to what you just said, um, what would you recommend to us in, in terms of biomarker use? I, I like that question. And I it is something that I'm almost always saying and ask to my residents. <laughs> the, the, the first thing when when we use a biomarker is we should know the biology of the biomarker. Mm -hmm. So we should know everything about the biomarker in normal biology and how it changes with the disease. We should know the normal values, what make it increase the doubling, doubling time, when the peak is reached, the half-life, the changes related to the renal failure, hepatic failure, if renal replacement therapy changes the concentration or not. And what I recommend is you should read the papers about the biomarker 
And you should not only trust of what people say to you and what the industry say to you. They could not be that correct. The second thing is, what do you want from biomarkers? Um, and th th this is coupled with questions. If it is for screening, uh, the question is, is this patient at risk of infection and could the biomarker help you or not? If it is from diagnosis, the question is, is this patient infected? and how the biomarkers can help you in adding information. Or a response to therapy, is the infection refractory to antibiotics? Is it improving? Or also the antibiotic duration? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that it is important that I, I always uh, said to my, say to my uh, resident is, if the biomarkers agrees with your clinical reasoning, we are all happy, very happy. But if it does not agree, I think that what they should do and we should do is try to understand why it does not agree. Could be a problem with the, the measurement or the biomarker, or could be the biomarker could be identifying something different. And so this is an exercise that could be very helpful for the, the patients. The third is how to use biomarkers. And here, as I already said, it is much more informative to have serial measurements than a single measurement. And when we are assessing response to therapy, it's better to look at relative changes than absolute changes. And this is very easy to understand. If, if I have an absolute change from one day to the other of five units, something of some biomarker, that, that that could be mean a, a fifty percent decrease if the previous in the previous day that biomarker has a value of ten, but would be just a ten percent decrease if okay. it was fifty. So okay. and the absolute change could be the same, but the relative change is completely different. So when assessing decreases or the the response to therapy is better to look at relative changes. Then another question that they made me a lot is why not to use two biomarkers? And the thing is, if we are using biomarkers of sepsis, they are usually highly correlated. The information that is in one, it is also in the other. So when you combine them, you don't have too much additional, additional information. And there's also another problem when we have two. If you want to increase sensitivity, then you will require only one positive value to have a positive uh, diagnosis. If you want to increase specificity, you will require two positive values to have a positive event. So if you have two, you have to decide what you want to do with two biomarkers. And a final recommendation is never, but never to use biomarkers as a standalone tool to decide to prescribe or not to prescribe to decide the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And this is very important because we are not treating numbers. And in, unfortunately, we are uh, in a stage where the line between the normal and pathologic become a numerical obstruction and the diseases are not numbers. And so, I usually um, quote uh, a cardiologist called Alan Meisel that mm -hmm. uh, said that biomarkers will make a bad doctor worse 
and the good doctor better. So use biomarkers wisely. Thank you very much. This is a great statement. Um, yes, um, dear Professor Pavoa, again, um, it was a great pleasure um, talking to you and um, gaining more insights into your recent narrative review uh, published in ICM. And again, um, I say thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you.